golf and rock and roll. Not logical, but it is fascinating. Playing down that big old fairway. Don't want no hackers to get in my way. The boys and me got a big NASA going. We will fall to drive. It's the Golf Insiders, giving you the inside scoop on all things golf. Now, here are your Golf Insiders on FM 96.9 The Game. Hey, bring me another bucket of balls. We love it. And turn on the lights. I love the Because I love it. We love it. Hello, Orlando. You're listening to the Golf Insiders, taking you home on the fairways of I-4 in the house Holly G, along with my very, very special guest tonight, Jeff Babineau from the Morning Read, fresh back from the PGA Championship, beautiful St. Louis, and Belle Reeve. Brooks Kepka Babs. How about it, huh? 69, 63, 66, 66, 264, beaten. Tiger by two in the clutch, coming down the stretch. Yeah. Impressive. Really impressive. I mean, this guy has game, a game and a mindset built for majors, right? He has four wins, and three of them are major championships. So what an incredible run he's on. He's filled with confidence. You know, Adam Scott on Sunday night, who played alongside him on Sunday at Bell Reeve, just thinks Kepka approaches this like it's his destiny, right, to win these big events. And uh, he's been impressive, no doubt. You know, I saw that at Shinnecock when, uh, you know, he gave that press conference, I believe it was on Wednesday, you know, as was talked about, didn't get a, a lot of credit for the Open that he won um, and in, you know, last year. And then he comes in with this mindset of uh, just that, you know, he, just this determination and um, this confidence. And I came out of that press conference saying, he sounds like Tiger Woods back in the day. You know, he made that comment to all of us in the media. You know, I didn't come here for second place. Mm-hmm. Does that remind us of someone? Yeah, right. Well, that's a great observation. I mean, it's true. I think he's filled with that much confidence at these big events. He's a different man when he gets to a major championship. Uh, you know, we look at all these power players sometimes. And we want to pigeonhole them that that's the only thing they do well. I mean, I, he, his average drive, I think, he led the field in like 340 yards last week. And it's crazy because he can carry a golf ball nearly that far. Uh, but he has a lot of a, a lot of game, too. I mean, he's a great iron player. He's a, he's a solid putter. So he makes a lot of birdies. And he just, you know what, you got to be low-key, I think, at the big events. You can't ride him too high, too low. You're going to have some adversity. And he just kind of looks forward and keeps plugging along. And, and that's been great for him. And all of a sudden, you know, you have to put him in the discussion as the best player in this era right now. And, you know, he started off the front nine, a, a couple of bogeys, came back. I think it was three consecutive birdies he put together as he finished that front nine. And then that birdie on 15, right behind Tiger's birdie at 15. And then he hit, which he was calling maybe his best shot in his career maybe at maybe, this point sure. that ripped four iron on 16. He brought it inside the right side of the pin, six foot 
Are you kidding me? Yeah, those were big birdies. And and Tiger, he heard the roars up ahead. It was funny when he walked, and it was in you know Tiger waited for him when he finished, uh, and Ricky was there. You know, their neighbors down there in South Florida, and and he looked up and they both smiled at each other. And he told Tiger, he goes, "Well, I heard it." You know, and he heard the roars all day long, and, and he had an answer for it, which was incredible. So it was just a great shootout. Uh, it showed him something that he could play that kind of golf. He's shown us he can win in all different kinds of tournaments, right? I mean, Shinnecock, where you're trying to survive, one over par, and at Aaron Hills and here, you had to go deep under par and keep pushing, and he both ways, he got it done. He sure did. I thought it was very interesting what he said um, about Tiger because – you know, he, he he grinned about it and said, of course you could hear it. You could hear it all over the course. And we've been there. I, I don't know what it was like at St. Louis. It looked like they were 25 deep on a lot of the holes. They were saying they were showing highlights of Tiger throughout the day up on the scoreboard on 18. You know, who else gets that kind of coverage? There is no doubt, I think, the world... Uh, I know everybody in the Washington, D.C. airport where I was watching the, the final a few holes... You know, we're waiting to see him, you know, wrap up that 15th major. But I thought, uh, you know, Brooks was incredible about that. He said, other than me and my team, I think everybody was rooting for Tiger, as they should be. He's the greatest player to ever play the game. He's the whole reason people of my generation are even playing golf. To duel it out with him, I don't think I ever dreamed of that situation today. Yeah, you know, I, I walked 18 holes on Sunday with Tiger. You know, the, the plan was to kind of watch him on the front nine and then maybe peel off and get back to the – because there was a lot going on, right? You want to see what other players are doing. And a buddy of mine, Major Dan Rooney, who you know from the Folds of Honor, says, are you kidding me? You're going to go inside and not watch history? So, I sure, I walked the back nine. It was like you were watching history. And uh, it was just incredible. The, the gallery – uh, St. Louis really turned out. I mean, it really—it's a great sports town. They love their Cardinals. They lost an NFL team, uh, but they—they they just love their sports, and they turned out. And it was a sea of people. I mean, when he crossed that bridge after Tiger put it out at 18, it just looked like a sea of—it was unbelievable. You couldn't see green grass anywhere because it was covered, and and it just made for such a show. You know, I, I walked that back nine with a young kid who had never seen Tiger in his prime, and he said, "Was this what it was like?" And uh, yes, it was. That's what it was like. And so it was a great reminder for all of us. Tiger played great. He was satisfied for, as he should have been. You know, he never liked second place, but he left there satisfied knowing he'd basically done all he could on Sunday and it just wasn't enough. And stopped and acknowledged the crowd, which was such a, an amazing moment. Right. Waited to give Brooks a hug. I mean, I, I saw that live. I was like, this is Tiger Woods. It's right. it's amazing. Yeah, I mean, there's times where back in the day when he just never really looked up beyond the bill of his cap. Yeah, I've I've seen him walk right past his mother on the back lawn at Augusta National, heading out to the first tee at Augusta like she didn't exist. Uh, so this it was kind of nice. You know, I think he really did soak it in. I I got to spend some time at the airport on Monday with Joe Lacava, his caddy. It was great. You know, they 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 pulled so many positive things out of that. And making that birdie at the last, you know, he punched the air the way he did. Vintage. I think he knew he was a little short, but you know, part of that was there was triumph in there and that he, he did what he did and shot 64 on Sunday when his ball striking wasn't all that great. Let's look at some of the numbers because it truly is remarkable. In December last year, he was 1,199th in the world rankings. He is this week 
26th. He played in 14 events this year. Seven top 12s, I think. Um, who else could do this? Yeah, I mean, he, he put himself right there at Valspar, right, with a chance to win. He was there at Carnoustie. He was there again this weekend at Belle Reve. Uh, you know, we all entered January. It was the great unknown. A year ago, he had shown promise in December in the Bahamas at their event. And he comes out and he played three rounds of golf and was done for the year. So we kind of walked into this year really cautiously optimistic. So maybe we're not even giving him the due that he's really deserves, right, with what he's done. It's been incredible. And the last piece of it will be winning again, getting that 80th PGA Tour victory. And it, the way he looks, it could happen in the playoffs for sure. Well, I predicted last year that he would win. So I've still got about five weeks <laughs> For him got to, a chance to pull it out, and he's just added the BMW Championship, so he'll be playing three out of the four. Well, three out of the four, and he's twentieth now in the FedEx points, so he's he committed to three out of four, but he'll play the Tour Championship as well if, if he's inside that top thirty, and you know he's in good spot there at twentieth. You know, I was looking at it; if he is picked on the Ryder Cup team, which is a given, uh, he'll play eight of eleven weeks. Now, this is a guy who was physically having a hard time. That's a lot of golf. I mean, I think that that might be the one thing that would keep him from the Ryder Cup. I think it would be his own decision that, hey, this has been an incredible stretch. I've played, you know, seven out of ten weeks, and I don't know if I'm going to go to Paris. But but I think he kind of is so into it right now. I think that's definitely on his radar to uh, go there and try to be part of a, a U.S. side that tries to win for the first time in 25 years on foreign soil. Listening to the Golf Insiders, my special guest co-host tonight is Jeff Babineau from the Morning Read, just back from the PGA Championship. So speaking of the Ryder Cup, you were there on Monday at Furyk's press conference. So we know who were the eight that were locked in. Uh, there are really no surprises there. Uh, he's being a little coy about the Tiger pick, and we got a bunch of guys on the bubble. Do you think he's going to go with, you know, experience? Some new guys, a mix. I mean, the only true rookie out of the top eight is is Justin Thomas, who's a major winner and player, you know, reigning PGA Tour Player of the Year. So, Furyk laughingly said, hey, "I'm I'm gonna enjoy calling him Rook." Uh, I think off the bat, you're gonna go with Tiger and Phil. I mean, you certainly can make a case for guys over Phil, but if you do look at his numbers, you know, he's second in putting, which is incredible. This team could use some putters. He's been on every national team since 1994 and. And, and leader, think, yeah, just a leader. A leader. He, the young guys enjoy him. He's, he's easy to pair with, I think. So I think Tiger and Phil fill two of those spots. And then it leaves kind of a mix of rookies and some veteran players like you know, Matt Kuchar, Zach Johnson. Uh, Finau, Xander. Kisner. I well, like Xander as a I like a Xander a lot. I mean, I'd take Xander and Finau right now and be really happy. Uh, the players, uh, Tiger likes Bryson DeChambeau. You know, he's ninth in the standings. He's won. He's won the good cut, tournament. unfortunately. Plays the same PGA. golf ball as Tiger. That's interesting to pair. Uh, so there's some interesting, uh, certainly some interesting options. A lot goes into it. It's not just yeah. about, right? It's like who right. mixes well, the the golf ball, right. the, the, the different games, you know. And um, can somebody get hot in these coming weeks? I mean, we have three playoff events before he has to make his final pick. Who gets hot? You know, who's the Billy Horschel of 14? who goes second, first, first, and, you know, you want that red-hot guy on that plane heading across the pond. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, speaking of which, there are 
a couple of guys that are um, needing to really make a showing here really quickly. One is um, uh, Bill Haas, who won in 2011, and he's sitting like 150th in the standings, and Sergio. We'll talk about him when we come back because, I mean, where has Sergio been where this year? Sergio? He's He's trying to work his way into the top 125, too, so... You're listening to the Golf Insiders on 96.9 The Game. More golf talk coming up. Stay with us. Quite an impact, actually, uh, when he shanked that three iron and hit me in the back of the head. I can't believe I'm into this. I really hate to lose. Asking forgiveness. Got the struggler's blues. The struggler's blues. We're back. The Golf Insiders. In the house, Holly G, along with my very special guest co-host tonight, Mr. Jeff Babineau from Morning Read, as well as one of our past presidents of the Golf Writers Association of America, our esteemed guest. And um, Babs, what overall your impressions of, of the uh, championship uh, having just gotten back from Bell Reeve. I thought it was thrilling. I thought the leaderboard was fantastic. There were so many good storylines up there. You know, Adam Scott playing, with thinking about his buddy Jared Lyle, who we lost earlier in the week. Uh, Kepka trying to, you know, become this major force. Tiger in there. Uh, you know, I love Stuart Sink, you know, made this late run that gets him into the Masters next year. He's an Atlanta guy. That's a great thing. But there were just so many good, good storylines. You have the Ryder Cup stuff brewing. Uh, and it was fantastic. I mean, they, you know, the PGA kind of gets out of everyone's way and lets these guys play. They don't care what the winning score is, really. They want to have a good leaderboard and a good show, and they delivered on both ends. Well, let's bring in one of our favorite golf insiders who was uh, alongside you at uh, the PGA Championship all last week, another past president of the GWAA, and... Uh, one of He's the a current top. man. He's in the office. Oh, He's in the Oval Office. That's right. I'm. I am a little out of touch. Uh, just getting back here in the in the in the seat again this week. Bob Herrick from ESPN.com. Hey, Bob. Hey, I was actually trailing Babs, not walking right alongside him. <laughs> I thought she was introducing Gary Van Sickle. So you're a. So- <laughs> yeah, that's right. He's coming up next. Well, Bob's always around the Oval <laughs> Office. <laughs> hey, we only deal with the big shots here in the Golf Insiders. Right. I I get you. Um, so just give me your impressions, Bob, of course, you know, I think as Brooks said, he thinks everybody except his team was rooting for Tiger in uh, St. Louis on Sunday, hoping for history, hoping for him to win his 15th major. He came oh so close, but my goodness, he didn't even hit a fairway on the front nine, seven out of nine. Come on. Yeah, it was, um. It was somewhat miraculous that he was hanging in there as he as he was, uh, despite all those troubles, uh, and yet he had some of his best chances, uh, you know, from the rough. You know, the very first hole, he he was in a fairway uh, fairway bunker and knocked it to seven feet and missed. You know, the next hole that that shot almost went in the water and he was playing a ball above his feet and knocked it to three feet. So, um, but but as, as we saw, uh, you know, it it did catch up to him. Uh, uh, the uh, after after making things happen there early on the back nine, he he missed the fairway at 14 with an iron. Yeah, you know, was a big he, miss. he yeah. couldn't get it to the green from from where he was. You know, and 
he did all he could to give himself a par putt and, and actually lift it out. But the bottom line is if he hits that ball in the fairway, he's, he's got a much easier chance to make par. And obviously we saw what happened at 17. He did well to make par there after all that. And, and you know, those, those are two big opportunities missed. I mean, it's probably the thing, the one thing that's missing and, and it's not just the driver, you know, it's, it's just standing on a tee and getting it in play. It seems to happen. Um, I mean, it happens at the beginning of rounds a lot, uh, uh, even with an iron. Uh, you know, he got and, and obviously at the beginning of the tournament, he, uh, you know, he got himself in a world of hurt right off the bat. Went three over after two holes. So, um, and yet he, he he shot 14 under, which is the lowest he's ever shot in in any major that he that he didn't win. You know, you're uh, Bob writes for ESPN, and he's got a great colleague, Ian O'Connor. I thought wrote a great piece on Monday about Tiger never really has been happier with a second place finish. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, you know, I wonder if he'll admit that, but but it's true. I mean, how could he not feel good about that? This this was the first time really all year that he's closed. Um, you know, he that he and and then he finished off around. You know, he. He shot 65 at the players, but you felt like he left some out there. You know, he had a good, really good round going at the Memorial one of those days, and but he 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 couldn't get it in. You know, it could have been better. It would have been hard for you to say that he should have shot better than 64 yeah, right. the final round in a major when nobody's ever shot 62 in a PGA, and there's only been one. You know, there's only been one 62 in any major, so. Um, I think he has to feel good about that. He made eight birdies. Um, I never thought I never thought that he would be able to contend in a tournament in a major that's that's a birdie fest. I thought Carnoustie, where eight under one was more his speed. You know, obviously managing your game, playing for a lot of pars. Uh, but you know, he showed us another side. There was a lot of power, uh, some incredible iron shots from the fairways, and obviously a, a, a really good short game. Yeah, his his putting was a little off on Saturday, I would say. Um, you know, in, right? yeah, definitely missed some chances. He had, of course, on Sunday that one that hung on the lip. On, was it eleven? You know, mm. uh, a little reminiscent of sixteen at Augusta. Only that one fell in. So you know, certainly there were a couple maybe that he might have had that would have pushed him over the top. But you gotta love um, Kepka, just you know, and he. He kind of smiled. There were a couple times, you know, coming down the last few holes. You knew he was hearing those roars, and you know, he he just put the put the cap down and just you know, birdies fifteen and sixteen, which we were talking about earlier was just one of the most phenomenal shots that that four iron into sixteen to six feet, you know, on the right hand side of the pin, clutch. There's no doubt. I mean, um, that. That tee shot uh, on 16, I think it, the measure, you know, the measured distance of the hole was 248, and he hit a four iron up there, just ripped it. And um, you know, I mean, the the world could have crumbled on him right there. I mean, it would have been easy to. to that's not that's you know that's not a seven iron that you're trying to you know hit, hit to a big green. He ripped a four iron up there. I mean, you know, all all credit to him. It, uh uh, and, and, you know, to think that the guy missed the first, what, four months of the season with injury, that, that, that he really, you know, it's not like he could work on his game at all with a wrist injury. He had to just completely put it away. And he's, he's won two major sets. I mean, it's, uh, uh, you know, it really is sort of an underrated shoot. 
We're talking to Bob Herrick from ESPN.com. Jeff? Bob, you know, he and I, Bob and I got to visit with Joe LaCava, Tiger's caddy, afterward. It was interesting. You know, he pointed out Saturday missing a few of those opportunities coming in and Tiger not getting into that last group with Brooks Kepka. I mean, do you think if Tiger had played with Brooks and he shoots 32 in that front nine, not hitting a fairway, things could have been a little different? <laughs> you know what? It sure makes you wonder, doesn't it? I mean, I have I have long believed here that uh, lately, certainly now, that, that the idea that Tiger was going to intimidate anybody was, was really kind of a, uh, you know, a, a theory that not, that's not based in, in reality. I mean, the, the guys who are p- playing against him now weren't ever beat by him before, and they've seen all the struggles, right? They've seen the bad drives. They've seen the, you know, the uh, the, the the back bothering him, the withdrawals, the, the you know the, you know, just obviously the the sort of hobbling around that he's done over the last few years, and, and you know the chipping woes that he had. They've seen all of this stuff play out because. Everybody sees it. All the bad shots have been replayed. So for them to get intimidated by that golfer has always seemed to be a stretch for me. But if you're standing alongside him and you've got all of these people, thousands upon thousands, you know, bigger crowds than normal, all the media inside the ropes, the commotion, the the yelling, the screaming. I mean, yeah, maybe that could have an effect. I mean, Kepke even said he heard it. He heard it up ahead. He heard. He knew it was a tiger roar. But what if he were alongside of it? I'm not saying that he would have been bothered by it, but you have to wonder if maybe it might have had some small impact at some point. I agree. It was a fantastic finish on Sunday, and hats off to the PGA and uh, also uh, to Brooks Kepka. Bob, always Special to spend time with you. Thank you so much. Bob Herrick from ESPN.com. You're listening to the Golf Insiders, 96.9 The Game. Stay with us. More Golf Talk and PGA Championship wrap-up next. Hey, Harry, thanks a lot for all the security you provide for us. Well, it's my job to keep all those nuts away from you, Jake. That's just the way it is. Don't play in pebble. Won't pay the price. I love my muni. We're back, the Golf Insiders, in the house, Holly G, along with my special guest caddy, Jeff Babineau, from the Morning Read. We've just had a, a, and past president of the Golf Writers Association of America. He's a big shot. We've got all the big shots on tonight as we do our PGA show wrap-up. And we got another guy who's the current president of the Golf Writers Association of America and another contributor to the Morning Read. We love him, Gary Van Sickle. Hello, G. Good evening, and uh, I want to just point out that I replaced Babs as president without the benefit of any kind of coup or hunter. <laughs> Whatever the word is, hunter is a word I've never really probably used in a story, but I thought I'd throw it out I there. Like that. And by the way, kudos for bringing up Jake Trout and the Flounders there on the my favorite, my favorites. Um, so, just a few numbers here: the Tiger Effect, eight point five million viewers Sunday versus four point nine last year. That's a seventy three percent increase. Mm-hmm. 
And get this number, the last half hour of competition, in which I was so grateful that my plane was delayed another 40 minutes in Washington on Sunday, 12.3 million. Those are some big numbers. Well, Forget the needle. That's like, you know, the thing at the carnival where you hit the thing and it right. goes. Hit the hammer. <laughs> Tiger was ringing the bell. Ringing the bell. It's funny. You know, here's a quick trivia question. Who won last year's PGA Championship? <laughs> Leo Deagle. Yeah, it wasn't Tiger. So it's kinda... Justin Thomas, hello. Thank you. Yeah, right. But Tiger blots out the sun, and those numbers bear it out. You know, it's funny because golf had a tiger addiction problem. Everything was tiger, tiger. It was all tiger all the time. To get any clicks, to get any viewership, you had to have tiger in there. And then he went away for a while, and we kind of got over him. And we got used to these guys like Justin Thomas and Jason Day and Jordan Spieth and Dustin Johnson and Rory. You know, we liked them fine. They were good guys. They were entertaining. They were good interviews. They were pretty appealing. And as soon as Tiger came back at Shinnecock, and did something uh, and at the British Open, uh, these guys shrunk down to like two inches tall. They just went away, and we're right back on our Tiger habit. And, uh, you know, I, 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 I skim all the golf stories as many as I can around the world each day, which is a lot harder to do with paywalls. And I can tell you right now, there were way more stories written about Tiger not winning the PGA than about Brooks Kepka winning the PGA. Everybody that's interested in Tiger – He's a superstar. He takes golf from the page three to page one, and that's just the way it is. And uh, we're, we just traveled back in time 10 years to some portion of Tiger Mania. Here we so are. So true. Yeah, I was curious. I, I was telling Holly, I walked alongside Akito. I'd never seen Tiger play. Uh, and then, you know, to watch him with those crowds and the way he was performing, he's like, was, is this was the way? Jordan Spieth? <laughs> he said, is this the way it used to be? I mean, did, didn't you feel that way? I mean, it was just. It was Oh yeah, well they, yeah, but you saw how many people were out there, Jeff. I mean uh I thought the best photo of the year was it uh was it at Quicken Loans there was a picture of Tiger walking up a hill and you could see mm-hmm. like a mass of people, like twenty thousand people jamming up trying to follow him. He's like the Pied Piper of Hamlin with with spectators and I know St. Louis is a good sports town, but I've never seen anything like this. I, I I wish we had attendance numbers because, every you know, the players all said it was like a Ryder Cup. It was the biggest crowd they've ever seen. I, I would say, you know, I've been in Phoenix. That course is wide open. You can't tell how many people are really there. I don't I don't think 150,000 people are ever really there at one time. But there were a lot of people on that golf course at one time. They were all trying to watch Tiger because this was their one chance. You know, he if you're living in St. Louis – Babe Ruth was coming to town, and he's still playing good, and this is the one chance in your lifetime to see Babe Ruth play. And not, he's not playing when he's like 58 or 62. He's playing and he's contending. So, uh, you know, I'm pretty sure uh, the last one out of St. Louis flipped the lights off because they were all out there. It was, it was really cool. Yeah, it was. Um, hey, we were here at Valspar. We were here at uh, Arnie, Arnie's place. In March, we know what it was like to be in that crowd. This was like three times the crowd, right? Well, it was because back then Tiger was still a curiosity. It's like, oh, he's back, and he even walk, and he play. You know, after Carnoustie, now you're like. This could really happen. We're going to see history. We might see history. We might see major number 15 
who and that was and you know again it's St. Louis he's never I mean he's at Bay Hill every year when he's healthy he's been at, well he hasn't been at Valspar ever but uh, this was your chance to see him in the Midwest I'm sure people drove down from Chicago and Iowa and Kansas and all kinds of Arkansas to True. see him because this is close as he's going to get to their their neighborhood and they got they got a heck of a show. Now, you were there Monday morning for Jim Furyk's press conference talking about the eight guys on his team. There was no real news there because the eight stayed in. Uh, you're an, you're an outside the box thinker. What you have kind of a sleeper pick as Furyk looks at these last four. Do you have a guy kind of hiding out there that's not among the, the popular well, candidates? I think it's really interesting that he got paired with two guys on the bubble, Xander Schauffele and Tony Finau. And he saw Tony Fino make 10 birdies in one round. He's impressive. Uh, I like him. Yeah, and he also made a bunch of, you know, not birdies that day. Yeah. He, he made a bunch of not birdies and not pars. But 10 birdies is 10 birdies. And Shafla, I'm sure he's, I mean, he won the Tour Championship last year. You got to look at those two guys. So. He's gritty. I like that kid. I like him, too. I like him, yeah. I just wonder, I, I, I you know, I don't know if those guys qualify as sleeper picks, but I wonder what effect it had playing with him for two rounds and him getting a look at them, uh, even though they, they had some good moments and they had some bad moments, does that help him or hurt him or does that bring him closer? I mean, I think everybody, obviously Tiger's going to be one of the picks and a lot of people assume Phil's going to be one of the picks, which do you I guess, I, I, well, there's two questions. There's the question, should he be on the team or is he going to be on the team? If you were asking me, should he be on the team? I'd be kind of leaning the other way. Is he going to be on the team? Yeah. The telltale thing for me was early in the week when Davis Love came in, and he said, you know, he's a former captain, two-time captain. And he said, well, we look at pairings differently as a captain. You look at uh, teams with picks. We look at guys for pairings. And he said, every guy in this team wants to play with Tiger and Phil. Really? That's how you do it? You don't look for somebody who's playing well at the moment? Because right now, Phil can't fry an egg, you know? So... Uh, I think probably Tiger and Phil are on the team, and who's that? That leaves them two picks to, right. two for picks. Bryson, DeChambeau, and Finau, and Shafla, and uh, who else? There's somebody else. Kuchar. 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 Kisner. I tell you what, Zach Johnson made a big move. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it was a right to left golf, left to uh, right to left golf course. He played well. He, you know, he's a good putter. The course in French is a kind of a rinky dink layup course. It's not necessarily a big hitter's course. Zach Johnson might have put himself in the picture. So if he's a, I don't know if a guy who's won two majors can be a sleeper, but he hadn't really done much lately. And the last time he had a chance to win something, I think was a, was a John Deere, and he kind of, he kind of didn't finish like Zach Johnson. So I had kind of had questions. I thought maybe Zach's got to that age where maybe he doesn't putt quite as well. But I don't know that that PGA might have put him in. So may, I think Zach Johnson's a sleeper. You got to put in your list. Kuchar, I mean everybody. You know, everybody loves to play with him too. He's a fun guy. He's great in a team room. But yeah, who's me, who's guys who's going to play ping pong without Kuchar? The golf course. Yeah, I want guys who are great in the golf course. When you if you have an eight footer to win the Ryder Cup on the last green, you think is Matt Kuchar going to make it? I don't know. Right. Well, it's like musical chairs, right? I mean, the music's going to play, and a few of these guys are going to be standing. I think Kuchar might be the guy kind of left out this time around, unless he does something big the next couple of weeks. I'm totally with well, you on fee now. I love yeah. Fina. I mean, a guy that makes yeah. ten birdies. He had twenty-four birdies for the week. He's a gamer. He he reminds like me a, a little bit of Brooks. Quite honestly, mm. 
He does. I mean, exactly. he just, you know, is focused and he just gets business done. And I think he's just a few yeah. steps behind him. I, I think those guys are all close. I think the thing to remember about the Ryder Cup, and it's easy to forget because we watch all the golf shots, it's a putting contest. These guys all hit it pretty good, and you're in best ball. It's a putting contest. So this, how does Tony Finau stack up as a putter versus who else is available? Kuchers is in the, Kuchers in the running because he's been there before, and he makes a lot of putts. Maybe not in the last two holes of the tournament, but he makes a lot of putts. So I think you want to find, to me, you always want to find the best putters who are on a roll. And, you know, somebody might get hot in the next three FedEx Cup events and backdoor their way into the team. You know, what if maybe Zach Johnson gets hot or uh, Brant Snedeker, maybe somebody just goes crazy and wins two events. Does a Billy Horschel, as Jim Furyk mentioned on Monday, and they might be able to play their wins. I mean, almost anybody, the door's open for almost anybody, Furyk said, but I got to think he's going to take time. Phil, in addition to Tiger, just because he's Phil, and you know that's the way it is. So, uh, and Phil is. Uh, last time I checked, he was number one on in putting stats on the PGA Tour, so he's having one of his best he's putting two, years. Just behind Jason but, Day, so that is amazing. Yeah, he's two now, so that's uh, that's a pretty good stat if you want to be in the Ryder Cup team. So you probably take him, take him for that alone. All right. Well, you heard it from the man, Gary Van Sickle. Not being too cynical tonight, which we love. Check him out on the Morning Read, morningread.com, one of the best uh, e-zines we have out there right now. Thank you, Gary, so much. And Thanks, uh, we'll be right back. The Golf Insider. Stay tuned. I don't want to take all the credit for their talent, but uh, first I had to teach them to play golf. Then I had to teach them to sing. And then I taught them to play various instruments, none of which they do very well. I want my dream. Yeah. We're back. The Golf Insiders wrapping up an hour of intelligent golf talk in the house. Holly G, along with my special guest caddy this evening, Jeff Babineau. We like to call him Babs out there on the tour. And uh, we got another Jeff, another one of our favorite golf insiders, ready to wrap things up with us in our PGA championship uh, coverage. Jeff Shane from PGATour.com and Pro Golf Weekly. Hey, Jeff. How you guys doing tonight? Doing well. Oh. Babs is just back from Belle Reve. And uh, uh, I, I think the one person we haven't talked about yet, which which really bears some conversation, is Adam Scott. Um, you know, uh, playing on a mission, really. Uh, losing one of his best friends, Jared Lyle. Um, the yellow ribbons all the players were wearing over the weekend were to honor Jared um, a really well-liked guy out on the tour. Uh, Babs, you have some comments? Yeah, I mean, it was touching. It was You could see it hit a lot of these guys hard. Uh, Ricky Fowler called Jared Lyle last Friday. Um, Adam Scott, all the Aussies, you know, it's, it's a tight group. Um, Jason Day used to live here, right here in Orlando, right across the street from Jared. Jared was here in Orlando for wow. quite some time, playing the web.com and working his way onto the PGA Tour. And, he just was a guy that left you with a – he was always smiling because he left you feeling better when when you started the conversation. And and that's kind of a magical quality to have, and, and it hit these guys pretty hard last week at the PGA. Your your thoughts, Absolutely. Jeff? Absolutely. 
Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, I didn't, uh, I, I didn't have as many uh, encounters with with Jared as you as you did, Babs. But I, he always left me kind of with a smile on my face, and even even with the few encounters I had with him when he had the first recurrence of cancer back in 2012, 2013, whenever it was, uh, I know that it kind of hit me hard too. It's just. Uh, you, you sit there and you think, you know, how how come a guy like Jared Lyle, who can brighten anybody's day, uh, why is he the one <laughs> that that has to put up with, with getting the recurrence? And and uh, you could you could obviously tell just in the words that were spoken out there, uh, you know, in print on TV. Um, and you know, we always root for stories, good stories, right, Babs? So right. I, I certainly would have enjoyed. Uh, and, and Adam Scott slash Jared Lyle story with a win, uh, probably, you know, not not the type of win story that Tiger Woods would have brought, but I think it still would have been a touching story. Yeah, and it's good to see Adam's game coming back around, of course. You know, we've talked about he was one of the ones really impacted by the anchoring ban. And we were talking earlier I was asking Babs if he'd ever seen a player that went out with two putters in his bag. He didn't end up using them, but that was pretty remarkable. I I would have liked to have seen him get on a green, have a 70-foot putt with that long putter, and then, you know, come out with his shorty. That's pretty unusual. Well, I, I've got a guy that I play with here over in Hilton Head that carries two putters in his bag, but he's the only other, other guy that I can think of. Um, and it, I guess it shows you still that, that Adam is still a work in progress in, in getting his putting straight. And, and I think it was a, a, a brilliant move to go back to the broomstick putter and do what Bernard Longer and Scott McCarron have done to adjust their putting styles to not anchor but go ahead and use that type of stroke. And all of a sudden, this last month, month and a half, we've started to see Adam Scott's results improve. Yeah, absolutely. So we're on to the Wyndham this week and weekend, beginning tomorrow. Uh, Henrik Stenson was the, is the defending champion. Uh, certainly a little bit of a light field. I think you were saying, Babs, that only Webb Simpson is... Among the U.S. rider covers, yes. Yeah, playing. Uh, of course, he's from North Carolina, so that's in his neck of the woods. But uh, what what should we be looking for? I mean, obviously these guys are trying to get into that magic 125 for the FedEx Cup to get into the playoffs. And we were talking, there are a couple of surprises that are, you know, really need to put a good game together. Sergio's at 131. Um, Bill Haas, a former FedEx champion, 2011, is sitting at like 150th. Who who really needs to, to make the move at the Wyndham? Well, you you mentioned the you know kind of the two most prominent guys. I'll put uh, Graham McDowell there as well. He's in the mid one forties, uh, and it's it's Graham's second year uh, where he's kind of been in that kind of precarious situation. Little stat for you: uh, in the eleven year history of the FedEx Cup playoffs, there have been only three guys that have gone to Wyndham at number one forty, or I should say below number one forty and managed to play themselves in. Now, one of them was Rory Sabatini last year. He played himself in from, I think it was number 142. But that's the kind of the uphill climb that all of these guys, especially deeper in the field, are, are looking at. Um, as you mentioned, uh, just uh, two guys in the top 
30 of the FedEx Cup points are playing, but out of the group from 90 to 190, all but nine are at Sedgefield mm. this week. Wow. Yeah, like three years ago, we had Davis Love win there. He jumped in yeah. via this win. That was huge for him. Uh, so it is interesting, right? They had four guys move in last year. As Jeff said, Roy Sabatini tied for fourth. You've got to have this huge week to kind of uh, keep yourself out of this mix where you might have to go to the web.com finals. I mean, these guys are, are fighting yeah. for jobs. It's tough stuff. Big, big time. Yeah, so. absolutely. And and I don't know that, it, that it, the Wyndham affects this because of so many guys in the 90 to 190 range, but that number 200 is also a big cutoff because if you're 201, you don't get into the web.com finals. Wow. So there's definitely there's definitely some pressure on some of these guys uh, that want to keep the day job. Um, So then we move into the PGA Tour playoffs, Jeff, and it looks like Northern Trust first in New Jersey, then the the Dow Championship at the TPC Boston, Babs's uh, neck of the woods. And then the BMW Championship, which this year is at Aronimink. Uh, you know, historic, iconic club outside Philadelphia. That's a going to be a great new uh, venue. And then, of course, the Tour Championship in Atlanta. How do you see this shaping up? <laughs> well, it, it uh, I, I see I see a lot of potential for you know, maybe a dozen guys to do a lot of uh, a lot of damage. I, it's been a very strong year for a lot of guys. We didn't have a lot of multiple winners early, but all of a sudden Dustin Johnson got a multiple, Jason Day's got a multiple, and we've got four or five guys that, that have done that now. So a lot of them are carrying momentum in. It, it, they won't be built necessarily to a major status, so I'm not sure if a Brooks Kepka or a Dustin Johnson has any sort of uh, advantage uh, when it comes to these events. I mean, Aronim Inc. is strong, obviously, and, and Ridgewood. Uh, Ridgewood is, is a strong course that we only see about once every four years, but uh, I, I like the group <laughs> that's coming up, and I like the competition that, that we should be having here over these next three weeks uh, after we get past Edgefield. Do you have a favorite? I mean, I look at Dustin Johnson, and he, you know, there's all this cash on the table. He's going to go hard. Uh, but you have uh, Justin Thomas right behind him. You have Brooks Kepka, Justin Rose, all these guys. Do you have a favorite here as you look to the playoffs? Well, this seems to be a tiny year, and we saw it last year, where Justin Thomas kind of gets hot. And so uh, that that's one that I think could uh, could jump out. And, and of that group, yeah, Dustin Johnson, Brooks Kepka, those are guys that seem to shoot consistently fairly low. But Justin Thomas is the guy that can really take it deep on command sometimes, it seems. So uh, I, I would say out of that group, I'm kind of leaning toward Justin Thomas. Uh, but, uh, you know, just so, so much golf yet to be played. So here's my my out-of-the-blue pick. Right, I, I want to see Ricky Fowler get Ooh. on a run and get hot <laughs> and win the Tour Championship so he can have a little bit of the I-didn't-win-a-major-this-year monkey off his back. How about that for a pick? Wow, that's sentimental. I like no, that. Be, yeah, it would be pretty good. You could pair that up with the, with the Players' Championship, and if you put a half point each, you know, that, that that's worth – a little something. And I think we found out now over the first decade of the FedEx Cup playoffs, okay, it's not a major, 
but some big name guys have gone after it pretty hard so that they could have it on their resume. Rory McIlroy, Jordan Spieth, uh, those guys, uh, even guys that didn't win it, like a Jason Day. Uh, they put some importance on it, and I think we're going to get the best from the best. Absolutely. Well, thanks, as always. Jeff Shane from PGATour.com. And uh, Babs, before we go here, we just have about 20 seconds. Who's going to be your pick at Wyndham? I'll take Henrik Stenson to repeat. You know, he's trying to get a little momentum, need to make that Ryder Cup team. He's outside right now, and uh, he's got to make a move. All right, I'm going to – here's my sentimental pick because I've just always been on his bandwagon. Sergio, I'm looking oh. for Sergio to win, get into the FedEx Cup Amino. playoffs, and uh, and maybe Brant Snedeker because, you, you know, he's such a good guy. The Wyndham guy. Absolutely. Thanks, Jeff Babineau, for sitting in with me tonight. You're listening to the Golf Insiders. We've got a tea time. we got to go. We love you. Bye-bye.